Well, good morning. I'm uh, blessed as, as usual, but it makes it no less of a blessing by Lisa's playing of preludes and, of course, on hymns. And that last song, uh, we should all take it to heart. All things are possible, only believe, beautiful, uh, and lead up to the prayer that I'm going to lead us in in a moment. But let's, let's believe together that we can worship God in spirit and truth, that Christ has opened the way because of what he did on Calvary. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day. It's so beautiful outside, but help us to be thankful in all, all times, all weather, whatever's going on in life. Father, help us to rejoice and to be assured of your love for us. Father, we do have burdens. Each one of us in this room bears a burden. Father, for this time especially, all times really, but especially during this time, help us to entrust those burdens to you and just turn our attention to worshiping you, the one and true living God, the only God who exists, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we pray in his name, amen. I've had a lot of people tell me I'm lucky, but I tell them I'm chosen. My name is Karabo Maretlani. I was born in Lesotho, Southern Africa, and was raised in the villages. When I was about five years old, I lost my father, and not long after my father's death, my mother left me at my grandmother's house, and I never saw her for years. So my grandmother became a mother. She told me a lot of things, including how to read and write, but most importantly, she told me about God. Loneliness in my life began when I lost my grandma, the woman who raised me. I had to say goodbye to my love, to my grandmother. Then a year after my grandma's passing, my mother also passed away. I was faced with the sad reality of being an orphan, which is something that I dreaded the most. I had a home and a house in the villages, but I had no parents. I was alone. My uncle brought me into his home in the city. It was there in the city that I, I met a friend, actually. He invited me to a church. There was a truck filled with these shoeboxes. I received a shoebox myself. And I remember that shoebox filled one of the holes in my heart, and that was the hope of having something that belonged to me. I had lost everything, so the gift of the box gave me that hope this belongs to me, and it really filled my heart. I realized God gave me what I was always in need of. I made a choice to personally seek him. Today, I have a family, and I'm no longer an orphan. I know I'm chosen. Someone took their time to work hard and to pack my shoebox, and God used them to give me hope and to feel what my heart was in need of. So today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So I'm asking you to go prepare a gift today. Take a shoebox. Give someone hope and love somebody today. And spread the gospel. Good morning. Great to have you with us today. Again, it is uh, that time of year when we uh, pack our shoe boxes and get them ready to send off. And um, it's usually November that we get them ready by the deadline. The November 11th. November 11th. But Joan will have it in the Friendly Fellowship, so be paying attention. But I know that this has been a crazy year and there's so much going on, but it's still an important ministry not just for this church, but for all of us that do these uh, Christmas uh, Christmas boxes. And it's an important ministry to those kids that receive it all around the world. And it's a way to share the gospel with some that will never hear it. So just be in prayer about doing a shoebox again this year. And uh, just pray for the ones that will receive it and the ones that pack it. 
and ship it and all that, but it's an important ministry, and so we don't need to give up on that. Just uh, keep praying about it and keep thinking about it, but uh, you'll see more information about it in the Friendly Fellowship. But we are here to worship this morning, and we're going to do that with a song, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, The God of Glory, The Lord of Love. Let's stand together as we sing. Joyful, joyful, we adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before Thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All thy works with joy surround thee, earth and heaven reflect thy rays. Stars and angels sing around thee, center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, singing bird and flowing fountain, call us to rejoice in thee. Mortals join the happy chorus which the morning stars began. Father, love is reigning o'er us. Brother, love binds man to man. Ever singing, march we onward, Victors in the midst of strife. Joyful music leads us onward In the triumph song of life. Amen. We glorify His name because He is our Father. Father, we love you, we worship and adore you, glorify thy name in all the earth, glorify thy name, glorify thy of our enemies, we are surrounded by people who do not believe, who don't understand why we have faith, but we can still raise a hallelujah to God no matter what our circumstances because He is with us. And so that's what we need to do every day. No matter what our circumstances, we raise a hallelujah to the Lord of Lords because He is with us and He will always take care of us. Let's sing this together. I raise a hallelujah. 
in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear you lost your hold on me. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. Sing that one more time. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the King is alive. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. And as you are, join me as we pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can gather in your house and praise you. And we just want that song to be our anthem today. Help us to raise a hallelujah, to sing a song, no matter what our circumstances, in the face of our enemies, Father, surrounded by those who do not understand why we have faith, who don't understand why we worship you. Help us to lift up a song of praise, no matter what we face, Father, because you are the God of armies. You are the God of creation. You have promised us that you will be with us, and that should cause us to always raise a hallelujah to you, Father. You are worthy of all the praise that we can give. You are worthy of us being here today to praise your name and to lift up your name in song and to sing a hallelujah to you. And we just thank you for the mercy that you show to us when you save us and you protect us and you bless us and you guide us. That is a mercy we do not deserve, Father. We have not earned your love. We have not earned your mercy, but you give it freely because you are the God of love. And you are the God of redemption, the God of salvation. And we thank you so much that we can, we can come here and we can sing praises to you. And we can be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can fellowship with one another. And we can hear your word spoken to us, Father. We just thank you so much for all that you do for us, Father. And as we continue to praise you, as we continue to worship you, help us to worship you in spirit and truth. Help us to lift up your name and to remember why we are here. Our purpose here is to worship the Lord who made us, the one who saved us. And we thank you so much. We just ask that you would be lifted up and glorified in this service, for it's in your most awesome and holy name that we pray. Amen. We continue to praise the Lord. He is all the world to me. He is my life. He is my joy. He is my song. Let's stand together as we sing. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day, without Him I would fall. 
that to Him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, He makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, and true to Him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when He's so true to me? Following Him, I know I'm right. He watches o'er me day and night. Following Him by day and night, He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust Him now, I'll trust Him when life's fleeting day shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Life that has no end, eternal life, eternal joy. He's my friend. Amen. And every day we pray that our walk with, with Jesus will be a little bit closer, just a closer walk with Thee. I am weak, but Thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to Thee. Just a closer walk with Jesus is my plea, daily walking close to Thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be, through this world of toils and snares, if I fall to Lord, who cares? None but Thee, dear Lord, none but Thee, just a closer walk with us at all times and Lord we can come to you at any time and pray and you're there listening thank you for that Father we thank you for this day that we can gather and sing your praises and hear your word and Father we thank you for being with those that are sick and continue that they may soon be well be with those that have lost loved ones comfort them 
Lord, we thank you for this time that we can give back a portion of that that you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to think for a moment about uh, one of the particularly bad times in your life, maybe a, a day that stands out to you as something really bad happened. It might have been the loss of a loved one, might have been bad financial news, might have been some other terrible thing that happened. But I want you to think about that day and think about what it would be like to know that you didn't have anybody with you to help you shoulder that burden that God wasn't on your side, that Jesus wasn't there to walk with you. That would be a terrible thing to not know that Jesus would be with you no matter what the circumstance. But we have that hope, we have that, that grace and mercy that Jesus has promised that he will be with us. Now, he's never promised us he won't bring us storms. He's never promised us we won't go through bad times. But what he did promise is that he will be there with you no matter what happens. And the disciples found this out when they were cowering in the boat. Storms were lashing about and they thought they were going to die. And they came to Jesus and said, Jesus was asleep. And they said, Jesus, you got to get up and do something. We're going to die. And Jesus just looked at him and I'm sure he probably thought, boy, these guys just don't understand, do they? But then he got up and he walked to the edge of the boat and he said, peace, be still. And he calmed the storm. And that's the thing with Jesus. He will calm the storm. He might not change the circumstances. But he will always calm the storm within you. sail the sea of fame find out before too long how quickly blue skies can turn dark and gentle winds grow strong suddenly fear is like white water pounding on your soul but still we sail on knowing that the Lord is in control Sometimes he calms the storm With a whisper, peace be still He can settle any scene But that doesn't mean he will Sometimes he holds us close 
lets the winds and waves grow wild. Sometimes he calms the storm, and other times he calms his child. has a reason for each trial we pass through in life. And though we're shaken, we cannot be pulled apart from Christ. No matter how the driving rain beats down on those who hold the faith, the heart of trust will always be a quiet, peaceful place. Sometimes He calms the storm With a whisper, peace be still He can settle any sea But that doesn't mean He will Sometimes He holds us close And lets the winds and waves grow wild Sometimes He calms the storm But other times He calms His child He calms the storm With a whisper, peace be still He can settle any sea But that doesn't mean He will Sometimes He holds us close And lets the winds and waves grow wild Sometimes He calms the storm Another time He calms His child whisper, peace be still, he can settle any sea, but that doesn't mean he will. Sometimes he holds us close, and lets the winds and waves grow wild. Sometimes he calms the storm, and other times he calms his child. Thank you, Brother Chris. That, that was a blessing. Uh, how did Jesus handle rejection? That's what I would invite you to think with me about this morning. And if you will, take your uh, sermon outline, your listening guide, and let's, let's look at that together. We're in Mark chapter 6. And let me just give you the first fill in the blank to launch right into it. Uh, Jesus lived in community with others. Jesus lived in community with others. Verse 1 of Mark chapter 6 says that he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. We, we see that Jesus had a community that traveled around that Galilean countryside that uh, there was a depending on how you count there were a dozen in his inner circle and then maybe three Three of those were in his inner inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and uh, there he he was in community as as we ought to be. We're meant to be in a local church. Now, it is interesting that in smaller attendance churches like Highland Avenue and, and many other churches, in fact, the majority of uh, Southern Baptist congregations anyway are are sm smaller membership churches, smaller attendance churches, and so. At times, we have to take uh, comfort in a verse, uh, something Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, there I am among them. We're, we're grateful for that promise, and we're more than two or three, but we're not a great deal more than that at times. And so we live in community with others in a small community. But what about uh, larger churches? Well, there's, there's uh, some that are what are considered mega churches. Uh, one standard, uh, one sort of uh, measuring uh, device among those who think about these things uh, comes out of a, a, you might say, a Christian think tank in the Northeast. And they define a megachurch as being one that is 2,000 in Sunday morning attendance or larger. And if, if you're like I am, if your heart is in the small church, you think, 
oh my goodness, how could anybody uh, really have uh, satisfaction in a huge church? But there are people, of course, who feel at home there, and some of you probably have been members of a larger church, and you know uh, that you get that feeling of fellowship, that feeling of intimate community, often in small groups or Sunday school or discipleship groups, something like that. And and so whereas smaller churches or, and even small groups will take refuge and take comfort and take their mandate from the fact of verses like where two or three are gathered together, that that is comfort to us, that is a mandate for us, that is justification for us, that uh, the small church is fine. We, we have a place within the kingdom of God. But the mega church does too. Acts 2.41 says, and there were, you know, this is uh, the sort of a summary sentence related to what had happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came in his fullness. And it, Acts 2.41 says something to the fact that 2,000, excuse me, 3,000 souls were added to their number. So that, that by any uh, definition I've ever heard of would be considered a megachurch. So it was, uh, it was quite a large number that were added to the church there on the day of Pentecost. We live in community with others. There's a, a proverb that says something about iron sharpening iron. That is that when uh, and in fact, there was, a, there was a contemporary Christian song, such as contemporary music was in that era, in the late 1970s, that said, iron sharpens iron. If we get closer, there might be pain. Well, uh, pain isn't primarily what we come together for with community with other Christians and a local congregation of believers. But sometimes it is a process of uh, helping each other grow and sometimes helping each other with spiritual blind spots. My blind spot may not be yours and vice versa. And there may be a time that uh, someone could say to me, Keith, you know, uh, I don't think you're taking seriously or you need to think further about and some, something from scripture that, that maybe I don't have just right and I can't see it, but you do. That is part of living in community with others. It's encouraging each other helping and exhorting each other and to grow in Christ and to do the work of the Lord in community with others. Uh, point number two, Jesus remained faithful to his mission, whether successful or rejected. Jesus remained faithful to his mission, whether successful or rejected. Verse 2 begins and says, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? And then they all said, Let's raise a hallelujah. No, that's not quite how it turned out. You would think this. That should be the logical conclusion of what was said in verse 2. But verse 3 begins with skepticism and then ends with hostility. It says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? This is one reason that uh, we, we try to fill in the blanks on Jesus' childhood and even adolescence. And we have just a glimpse of when he was with the rabbis and teachers in the temple but we don't have much about his childhood and his teenage years leading up to the time that he's 30 and began his public ministry. But we, we know that apparently he was an apprentice uh, to his father, Joseph, who was a carpenter, because Jesus himself is called a carpenter here. And they say in the son of Mary. So almost, I think every New Testament scholar I've ever read or heard says that Mary by this time must have been a widow, that Joseph uh, would have died by now. There's, there's also some evidence in the New Testament that uh, Joseph may have been a good bit older than Mary. But is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? That was the beginning of skepticism. So we, we, we know this fellow. Who does he think he is? 
So they were offended at him. They did not raise a hallelujah. They did not suddenly say, oh, this has to be from God. And yet uh, they had seen uh, great wisdom and uh, they knew of the mighty works. Some of them had obviously witnessed that. But end of verse 3, sad. So they were offended at him. Uh, I think it was, I, I used to think it was Shakespeare. I think it was actually Oscar Wilde who came along a few centuries later who, who said, no good deed goes unpunished. Well, certainly Jesus did many good deeds. In fact, he lived a perfect life. And uh, he would be punished from the standpoint of uh, the, you know, jurisprudential, if you will, the justice systems of the day. That it would be kangaroo court. It would be, you know, violations of their own customs, and certainly the justice teachings of the Old Testament, which the Pharisees, you know, claimed to know, and in fact had were supposed to have memorized in. So they, they took offense at these signs that he was the long-promised Messiah, that he was the Savior. Uh, they couldn't imagine that the Savior, the Messiah, would come through the lowly carpenter shop. And so they were offended at him. Verse 4, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives, and in his own house. Are there psalms outside the psalms? Yes. There's a group of verses in Philippians 2, I believe it begins with about verse 5 or 6, and runs through verse 11. So there are psalms outside the psalms. Are there any proverbs outside the proverbs? Well, I think this is one that Jesus spoke here. As far as I know, this does not have root in the book of Proverbs, but he, when he states this proverb, a proverb is a wise saying that is generally true, and it's it's not always a rule to which there are no exceptions, but a wise saying generally true, and that is this, a prophet is not without honor. Now, in English, that's a little bit awkward. It's a double negative, and it says a prophet is not without honor. You know, if a true prophet of God, there will be some honor except in his own country. So in his own country, there, you know, often prophets are without honor among his own relatives and in his own house. So Jesus uh, knew, that, you know, at least at that point, that his brothers and, and sisters were not given their names, and even his mother, now his mother would come around. She would, she would be there at the foot of the cross, uh, with with John and uh, on Calvary, but right now there was in verse three we see there was skepticism by people who knew him. Apparently, some skepticism with his family, and then at the end of verse three, of course, there was outright hostility on the part of uh, just the populace at large. So we need to remain faithful to our mission. What is our mission? It's to reach people for Christ. It's to share the love of God. It's to do ministry. That's, that's challenging in these days, challenging in the days of a pandemic, challenging in the days of um, when we see values of the society at large changing rapidly and radically, and that they really are changing you know, a few years ago, just like suddenly somebody threw a switch and up was down and down was up. And so, and then everybody who buys into the new value systems that are being promoted in the United States of America, suddenly they believe everybody ought to see things their way. It's not enough that there is toleration for each other, but they are seeking uh, affirmation and in strong endorsement of all the radical changes in society. We have to remain uh, faithful to Scripture, to what our Lord teaches us on all matters from the pages of Genesis to the, through the book of Revelation. And whether we're successful uh, in terms of numbers and successful in, 
relationships with people who are outside the community that we mentioned in uh, point number one, the community of the local church. We seek to reach others, but even in those days, even in those times when there's not receptivity on the part of people to uh, come to church or to accept what is being preached from the pulpit or what is being taught in the Sunday school class, even when people will not receive that message and may in fact reject it, we must remain faithful. Jesus remained faithful to his mission. Sometimes we won't be numerically successful. And in fact, we will be, we will have the message rejected, but uh, that message that is rejected when we proclaim it and when we try to share God's love with others, it is our savior who suffered rejection first. And of course that culminated in what led up to the cross of Calvary and him shedding his blood which was God's plan all along to the glory of God. But uh, evil men who were sinners were used to bring that about. Remain faithful, whether successful or rejected. Uh, point number three, this is tied right into point number two. Not surprisingly, Jesus remained faithful to his mission regardless of little success. Verse five says... Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Uh, it's one thing to be just, um, you know, hot or cold, you know, either uh, having great success or having total rejection. You know, some, sometimes it's just, uh, um, you almost think, well, I need it. it. It needs to either be one or the other. Let's have clear definition. But sometimes there's a little success. I don't know about you, of course, I think most of us would have a, rather have a little success than no success. Now here it's described in terms of uh, healings and miracles. And it, when it says he could do no mighty work there, it, it does seem that it was because of some people's lack of faith. This is an interesting equation in the uh, New Testament. In fact, it's not really an equation, though some people try to make it that. And that is... Um, does the person being healed in terms of New Testament miracles, do they have to have faith? Or does someone else have to exercise faith on their behalf? Well, sometimes Jesus just uh, summarily did a miracle without at least an explicit stated relationship to anybody's faith. Uh, in, in When a miracle was worked, it, he just did it. But then there are other times like here where it says he could do no mighty work there, but he did have a little success, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. You know, this, this goes back to under point number two, where uh, they, they knew he was doing mighty works. He didn't let up on that. He, he had a little success from the human perspective, and he remained faithful to his mission regardless of little success. You know, some church, sometimes churches get in a, uh, you know, growth, uh, no growth, or just a little bit of growth here and there, and they get discouraged. Jesus tells us and shows us by example that we are to remain faithful to our mission regardless of a little success. It's, it's challenging to reach the community we're in. Sometimes all we can do is minister to them if that, that is all they will allow us to do. We can pray for them that regardless, you know, can we have success through prayer? Well, it's not exactly numerically measurable when you pray for others, but it is a sign of spiritual success. And sometimes that's all we can take solace in is that we pray for others. If, a, if all that a church can do, if, if, the, if, it seems, if it seems that the church will not grow, we should all hope that it would grow. We should all hope that people will come to join with us. Christians who are not actively and happily involved in another congregation, we ought to pray that they'll consider Highland Avenue Baptist Church as a place to come and to serve God and be part of this community that we talked about in point number one. We, we should hope and we should pray that lost people will repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus Christ and become part of this local church or some local church. But if all we do is pray, that's someone said uh, something to the effect that uh, 
prayer isn't just a ministry of the church. It's the ministry. Well, it's one of several, certainly. And we should pray for others. Point number four. Jesus relentlessly taught God's word regardless of amazement. Jesus relentlessly taught God's word regardless of amazement. I struggled with how to word this, but let me read verse number six and uh, make some further comments. Verse six says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. I guess he's original circuit rider, wasn't he? I don't think he had a horse, but he relentlessly taught God's word regardless of amazement. Now, uh, amazement at what? Well, when I think of a marvel, when I think of marveling at something, I think, uh, you know, a, a, an amazing work of God in nature, sometimes even a, a man-made marvel. Jerry Clower, uh, on more than one occasion, would, and we talked about megachurches, he would speak at some megachurch, and I, I know of at least two occasions where he did this. I saw one of them in person up at Shades Mountain Baptist Church in Birmingham. Willa Dean and I would, took a group from the church in Montevallo up to see Clower speak, and then I've got uh, cousins in First Baptist Orlando, which is uh, much larger than Shades Mountain. Shades Mountain seats 3,600, and Jerry Clower walked on the stage, and he looked all over in, in apparent amazement, and he said, oh, he said, don't tell me there ain't some federal money in this thing. <laughs> well, that's what I think of when I think of marveling, looking at, looking at Nakalula Falls, or I've never been there, but I haven't, I mean, I've been to Nakalula, I've not been to Niagara Falls or any of the, uh, uh, you know, Victoria Falls, I certainly have not been there. But I've been to the, uh, Willow Dean's been to the Grand Canyon. I've been through the Rockies, and I've been on the 83rd floor of the Empire State Building. Those are all marvels, either marvels of God or of man. And that's what I think of when I think of marveling at something. But Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. He was amazed, and it could have been a, a disillusioning shock that he would uh, just get discouraged and, and stop the work of the ministry. I mean, he was, he was human. Uh, he was divine. He was both 100% human, 100% divine. And he was subject to the same emotions that uh, we are. But he, he responded uh, perfectly and in faithfulness to God. And he kept teaching God's word. Why would he marvel because of their unbelief? Well, I mean, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Why would... Why would he marvel that, that people were unbelieving? That's one of the reasons he came to, to this earth, that he was the Messiah who would save people from their sins, including the sin of unbelief, if they will repent. Well, why would he be amazed at unbelief? I, I don't know about you, but it, for me, it just, it just goes back to uh, under point number two, where uh, people were astonished, and they said, where did this man get these things? What wisdom assistance was given to him and mighty works performed by his hands? You know, I, you know I, I'm kind of marveling and amazed that, again, they didn't just raise a hallelujah. Instead, what they did was they were offended at him. I think that is amazing, astounding, whatever word you want to put into that blank there on point number four. I chose the word amazement. Uh, regardless of this uh, amazement, just, you know, shocking and astounding realization of Jesus thinking, I've done these mighty works. I've been, it's been acknowledged that I have uh, preached and taught wisdom, and yet they were offended. That's our job as Highland Avenue Baptist Church, as it is the job of every uh church, local congregation that's being true to this mission is whatever we do, as I said before, we need to pray and we need to pray for each other. We need to, uh, that's, that's part of iron sharpening iron. That's part of being in community with others. We need to pray for 
people outside the church that they will repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus Christ and become part of the kingdom of God and place uh, and follow Jesus faithfully as as disciples. And then we also need to uh, be a congregation, as I believe we are, that will uh, expect and will only accept the relentless preaching and teaching of God's word of those who teach Sunday school and those who preach. That's a, that's a fairly uh, narrow subset right now, but anytime we have the opportunity to talk with others and share with them truths about God, it all needs to be rooted in God's word. We, Jesus relentlessly taught God's word. We need to relentlessly believe God's word and we need to share that word with others. All right, at this time, I'm going to ask Brother Chris to come back to the front. He's going to lead us in an invitation song. And if the Lord is laid on you, any need to respond to this invitation? And the invitation is, I think, what we, really what we sang earlier, which is just a closer walk with thee. And uh, that's, that should be, that's a prayer from Christians. And then the, the invitation song we're going to sing, Just As I Am, that, that song, is whether it's a Christian rededicating or whether it's a sinner uh, wanting to be saved, that is a great invitation song, and that should be our prayer during this invitation time. Brother Chris. Let's stand together and sing, Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. seated. Brother Bill is going to come and make a presentation for us. Brother Bill, are you doing it for the staff appreciation? Or? Okay. Well, I'm up here. Don't have a clue about what I need to say or will. am going to say. Anybody here ever seen me when I didn't have something to say? Well... <laughs> Somehow October got set aside as a month that we recognize our church staff. So Brother Chris, Joan, Lisa, and our pastor. He's up on the screen. I forget, I forget. But anyway, how that got set aside, we just recognize them one month out of the year. That doesn't seem just right to me because with our church staff, every, every Sunday, I know I take it for granted when I get here, if I need to know something, it's going to be printed out somewhere. Somebody is going to tell me. And everything is goes according to the plan. And I know that don't just happen. There's a lot of work, a lot of hours, and a lot of planning that they do in the background that we never know about. I just get here, everything goes well. I'm happy I get to go home. But I know they put in a lot of other time. But we do appreciate our church staff. I appreciate the heart they have for each one of us and this and HABC as a, as a whole. 
And that's, I know, every day with them. And it, I don't, I think, in my opinion, our church staff, large churches, small churches, anyone in the city, I don't believe, has got a better, more dedicated church staff than we have in Brother Keith, Brother Chris, Lisa, and Joan. The time I've been here, and uh, if I don't have a problem, I'll go find one. So the years that I've been here with them, and they would want to remember the, the times, I'm sure. But any time that I've ever had a need, so far as the church family is concerned, that I needed help with, that they could help, not one time have I ever been to them and asked them to help me with something. Their pet answer was, what you want me to do and when you want me to do it. So, personally, I can't thank them enough. And uh, I think every church needs to be blessed with a staff that we're blessed with. So, but it's it's a real joy to know their heart is in with us and with Highland Avenue. We, they've been we've been large, much larger than I remember, but all most of all of y'all can remember. But that has never changed with our church staff, with these people here so far as I know and I'm concerned. But we love y'all. We thank God for you. And for myself and all of the church, I'd like to extend to you a rain check for an echo. When this bag bud goes away, you cash it whenever you're pleased. <laughs> As a little token of our appreciation for it, if I Read them right here. Brother Kiss, Chris, we we love you and we thank God for you. Love you too, John, thank you. We love you and thank God for you. And Lisa, thank you, sir. The same for you. Twice. Thank you. Well, that's all I can think of to say right now. But, uh, Chris, if you and Lisa would. Just leave Joan up here by herself. Joan's up here by herself. Oh, let, her, let her stand. No, go ahead. Go ahead. We're leaving you. Let her defend herself. Yeah. Joan, yes, the 28 years yeah. we celebrate with you. Again, we thank God for you. And uh, as I say, if I've ever had a problem, I holler for Joan. And I'm sure there's other people in the congregation who's done that over the years. But we, we thank God for you. And I thank God that he let you come a few years earlier or when you did start. So you had a few years to really enjoy being here without me being on the scene. <laughs> Joan, we love you. We appreciate you. And uh, pray God's blessings on you all. And I let them get, get away. But uh, Father, as I've out before you, I thank you for these people here. Chris. Joe and Lisa and Brother Keith, Father, what they meant to me and have still mean to me personally and what they mean to Highland Avenue. And to have a staff like that with a heart for us, they want to glorify you and see your work continue to go here in this community and in our daily lives. But help us, Father, to recognize them each day as they go forth to do what they do. I pray for help and strength and a blessing on them, Lord, just for being who they are and what they do for us. We love them and we praise you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Bill. And thank all y'all. It's a joy to serve with you and to 
and be a part of this congregation. I know Joan and Lisa and Brother Keith uh, feel the same way, but uh, it's just a joy to be here, and I'm so glad I was able to become a part of Highland Avenue Baptist Church. But let's stand together and sing, Rejoice in the Lord Always. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Amen. Amen. 